All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to the Halloween edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli. Uh, I love Halloween, Frank. Big fan. Going as uh, Vanilla Ice. I even got uh, some American pants for you, Frankie. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know what's spooky and scary is seeing you with hair. Yeah, you dude, I wear well, the worst part of this is I got one of those um cuz I have a sh- when you have a shaved head like the, the the wigs always itch and so you can get one of those nylon things to put underneath and I had one but you I have a do rag. Yeah, and so I went to a house party on Saturday and after about an hour and a half like I was losing my mind cuz it was just so itchy. So lesson learned. The yeah. booze didn't cure that for you or what? No, no. Uh, after my big party a few weeks ago, I was a little bit light. So I'm just having one or two right now. So mm. Ooh, still, still uh, hung over from that. No, I was hung over bad. Probably the worst hangover I've had in 30 years, but I also drank more than I have in probably 25 years. So it was, uh, mm. it was fitting. It was worth it. I didn't, uh, I knew it was coming and I was totally prepared for it. So uh, are you a big uh, Halloween guy, Frank? Love Halloween, but I'm hoping to spend uh, this Halloween night at Citizens Bank Park World Series Game 3. Feeling pretty good. The lingering effects of COVID, I was telling Tyler before we started, I actually feel worse today than I did on Friday, but such is life. It's uh, five days, and I'm ready to get back out into the wild. Will you dress up going to the game? No. I are you Honestly, I need to find a costume that fits first, which is half the problem. So... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, nice. Well, that's got to get back on the bike. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Get on it, buddy. Get on it. So I've, I've failed miserably. So now, um, well, your, your kids are not going to the game They're, or do they want to go to the game rather than trick or treat? Yeah, no, they're going to trick or treat. I'm going yeah. with my brother. That's the plan. hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, what, uh, what do you hand out for candy at uh Shea Sarah? Full, full size bars. hundred percent. Yeah. How many Costco for the win. And the yeah. best part is buy an extra box. And if you don't use it, return it. Yeah. How many, uh, how many kids you get? Do you think? Not that many actually, because we live on a kind of busy road and there's not a lot of sidewalks. So it's not a premier destination. Nah. Well, last year, unfortunately we had, we had 156 kids 
My wife keeps track of that stuff. I was going to say, who is counting? This is the Gregor stat of the day. Yeah, no, that's my wife. Um, it's funny because I am the stat guy. But so I made sure I have 200 this year because we jumped from like 100 to 150 last year. I had to go out at like and go buy some more because the worst is being the house who shuts their life lights off early because you've ran out of food. So I don't like doing that. So what we did for a while was um, just put the bowl out. Yeah. Because I wanted to see my kids trick or treat and obviously... Megan does as well. And, um, I mean, it's fun to walk through the neighborhood. Kids are little, you throw them in like the, the red rider wagon and wheel them around and, uh, have a few adult beverages. It's like Halloween is honestly, I, my, my two favorite holiday holidays are Thanksgiving and Halloween. And I don't know. I'm excited. Oh, I love Halloween, man. And so my wife and I, we've always rotated. Um, I like staying at home too, because I see all the kids in the neighborhood and I love the different costumes that they have. And so I set up a table, Frank, at my house on my front porch. And it started during COVID when they didn't want everybody touching. So I have a big table and I have like 13 different chocolate bars for the kids to choose from. So I just lay it out. And as they take them, then I restock the table. This is Pete Gregor. Yeah. So they get to come out, they get to pick, they can see all your, all your uh, OCD on display for everyone. Oh buddy. I think it's great. The kids love it. Plus you know what? It's secretly it's bribing the kids because they know which houses are good and then they'll come back the following years. Cause I like seeing all the different costumes and stuff. So, Mm. well, what I was getting to, I, and I, I lost my train of thought was, so you put the bowl out, but you've got the ring doorbell and you see which one of the kids are absolute scumbags taking the entire bowl and putting it in their bag. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, That's always fun too. You you learn which kid is, yeah. Don't let your kid hang out with that kid. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. See, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the cameras on my, on my front door. Maybe that's just a Philly thing where I'm like, no, this no, kid lot- is an absolute scumbag. Yeah. No, lots of people have them. I just, my, my wife's talked about them. I'm like, I don't want it. Cause then I find I'll just be, people become less social. They're like, Oh, so-and-so is at the door. I'm not answering. And I'm like, no, I'd like to go it, to the door. And if it's not someone I want, I'm just like, yeah, sorry. Uh, he's not home. <laughs> yeah, it's not anything about that. It's just more a safety thing. Like it's nice to see who's coming to your door, especially with all the deliveries these days, Amazon, UPS, all that stuff. Like just nice to have a little track of things in case you need it. You ever had a porch pirate? No. No, me neither. So we live in a safe neighborhood, knock on wood. So there we go. Um there are three games tonight, uh, Halloween night. But, uh, Frank, the big story right now in the National Hockey League, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, losing in Anaheim last night. Uh, they are now 4-5-1, and one, second last in their division. They're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, In like, fact, had they won on Sunday night, they would have been in a playoff spot. Yes, so it's very close. But, you know, they've lost to Arizona. They've lost to Montreal. They've lost to uh, now to Anaheim, who had lost, who are winless in six games going into that one. And to me, it's the fashion in how they're playing. You know, last night, Mitch Marner has uh, uh, some giveaways. One that ends, you know, he goes down the alleyway, breaks a stick. Another one, the coach basically calls him out for it. It was, it was pretty terrible. He, he's one of the leaders of their team. I see a lot of people saying, oh, you know, Sheldon Keefe, you got to fire the coach. You got to fire the coach. I'm like, they did this already once a few years ago with Mike Babcock. After a slow start, I think it was 20 or 19 games, they fired the coach. If you're fast-forwarding two years, Frank, and you still have your main core players, and you're firing your coach, I think you're, you're, you're looking at the wrong person. If there's going to be somebody accountable, for me, it would be the GM more than the coach. He's the guy who builds the team. Well, there's certainly a debate to be had about that. And the question is, does it make any sense to fire the GM 10 games into a season? Yes. I agree. And the, the merits for the debate, it's not just the defense. Like who's kidding who the Leafs lose Sunday night. Eric Schalgren is not an NHL goaltender right now. He just isn't look at the teams he's lost to look at his numbers. And if you're going to sit here and say, well, they have their third string goalie in net. How can you blame the GM? I mean, who could have honestly seen an injury to Matt Murray coming everyone watching? Like that's the thing is to go through that exercise to land on Matt Murray to begin with, then to have Murray go out so early. Um, you know, Shalgren, not, he's not ready. 
the defense has seen errors and they're hamstrung cap wise up front in terms of the decisions that they can make. But I think all those comments and criticism, that's all fair. I would say what's really interesting about the coach debate is that I'm, I'm never really a proponent in firing the coach. I don't, you know, I don't think that always makes a difference. Sometimes it does. And we can point to history and say, look at these coaching changes and the success that these teams have gone on to, but where the coaching conversation gets interesting is, is Sheldon Keefe very clearly pointing out Mitch Marner publicly on the bench, pointing to him and then benching him. And I'm not saying that was right or wrong or warranted or unwarranted clearly with the mistakes that he made. Um, you know, he was being called out and, and that's fine. My only point in saying all that is that you rarely see a coach make such a public gesture like that captured by cameras and see him live to see the other side of it. And I'm not saying that he, again, not saying he should or shouldn't be fired, not anything like that. All I'm saying is, you know, we've reached 10 games in an inflection point for the Leafs as they fly back from California on Monday is this is what the Leafs front office needs to ask themselves. Are we going to let the players off the hook or not? Because if you are to your point, as you said, you're basically saying, you can continue to the inmates can continue to run the asylum. Yeah. Like I think firing the coach in in this situation is eerily similar of here we go again uh, for Toronto. Now they had success right after. And the difference was, and Frank, I know you had report on a lot of people there, there was unhappiness, frustration amongst the players and Mike Babcock at that time. they, they didn't like how Babcock was treating the player. I haven't heard any of that about Sheldon Keefe. Now, you know, you talk about the instance with Mitch Marner uh, and in that regard, I haven't heard anything else like that. So this would be a very different reason to, to fire the coach. And to me, it would also, I think if Toronto fires their coach, it's just a sign that there's massive internal panic. But I think there's already signs that there is pressure and panic. Like go back to Sheldon Keefe's comments from the loss against the Montreal Canadiens. Then a couple of days later, what he said, and then a few days after that, having to basically walk it back to his team. Like there's already been indications that there's pressure there. And then to see this, that's sort of what this really feels like is there's pressure all over the place. And this team is beginning to crack because I looked at last year's four, four and one start and remember it really clearly And I was saying, you know, they're in a spot where everything kind of looks good, but they're not getting the results. They were trending in the right direction. Their underlying numbers were positive. This start to this season has been way worse. They've looked listless in games. uh, You know, they've slept walked through portions of it. I mean, look at the game against the Vegas Golden Knights and how lifeless they were at varying points. To me, they seem to be lacking confidence. And when you get to game 10 and you have a, a two goal lead in the third period against statistically the worst team and certainly the worst offense in the league, there's really no excuse why you end up buckling. Like by all accounts, and, and normal measures, the Leafs should have lost that game on Sunday night in Anaheim in regulation. They were saved by a goalie interference call. That is nonsensical to me. Like I, I, Eric Schalgren was flat out swimming in net, So they should have lost in regulation and not gotten a point. Um, something's off with this team. Like I'm here. That's, that's what I, that's the conclusion I've come to, to this point, 13% of the way through the season Last year, I wasn't saying it with the same or close to same record. And I don't know what the answer is, but something seems off. Oh, no, I, I think it's totally valid. Uh, you're bang on your assessment about the goaltenders. Uh, now they come home and basically for the next two weeks, they're at home. They have one road game in Carolina. But, you know, you play Philly, who's off to a good start. Then you play red hot Boston, then Vegas, uh, and then the struggling Penguins and Canucks come to town. And I think Toronto... Um, Frank, a week ago, you know, people were like, oh, in Vancouver. And I said, hey, Vancouver wins their two games this week. And all of a sudden, everything calms down. And that's what happened. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Penguins had an absolute awful week. They went 0-4 after starting the season 0-4-1, right? Like, they don't look very good right now. Like, 
early season, like 10 games sometimes, you're right. Toronto doesn't look great, but I still think it's something that's very fixable, especially because their offense can score more. Like, is Austin Matthews only going to score three goals every 10 games? I, I bet huge money, huge money that that's not the case, right? That's never been the case uh, in his entire career. So I think he'll get going. But you, you are right that, you know, something seems off. But I think to me, this is one where I look at the players and they got to figure this out. Like, they, they, the play, they have more talent. And to your point about, you know, work ethic and, you know, involvement emotionally and physically in the game, the players got to play harder in, in Toronto. And I know that might, that might seem like a, a lazy take, but sometimes I think it's accurate. Toronto has enough skill. Just like I said last week about Vancouver, Vancouver shouldn't have been the worst team in the NHL. They're not that bad. They got better talent than that. And I think right now Toronto's talent isn't playing up to their level. At least they're skaters in defense when they're backup goalie. You're right. He is what he is, but the rest of their team, I don't think on a nightly basis has played up to their capability. By the way, they, the success or lack thereof that they've had to this point is also with Ilya Samsonov basically playing at a stretch that he's never played at in his career. He's been as good as he possibly can be. Yeah. So excellent. Um, you said, you know, can maybe work a little harder. I don't even know that it's necessarily anything to do with effort. I think I just, when I think of the Maple Leafs and I keep coming back to this, whether it's playoff losses or regular season or what have you is Brendan Shanahan's comments. When he said, we need killers. I, I just don't think the Leafs have killers. Okay. Or enough of them. Okay. And well, that's the GM. Is it not? Well, it's on everyone. And it, I, it includes Brendan Shanahan. He's not immune to this. Yeah. Need, you need killers. And I just don't, I don't know that they have them. And the funny thing about the pressure that the Leafs are under and or feeling right now is that theoretically they should have been under more pressure last year. Their playoff loss two seasons ago was way worse than it was against the Tampa Bay lightning. And now they're in a spot where everyone knows this is the last dance with this team as it's currently assembled. Sheldon Keefe, Kyle Dubas is in the last year of his deal you know, they're going to have to, you know, make some moves this summer with regards to contracts and the cap. Like there's, there's a lot to unpack from this season and it feels like they're cracking. Yeah. It will be interesting to watch now a team, Frank, that isn't who's off to a great start. We're going to have their uh, GM Tom Fitzgerald joining us from the New Jersey devils who are off to a good start. Jesper Bratt is on fire right now. Uh, he's got uh, points in all uh, nine games this season for the New Jersey devils 15. He sits uh, currently fifth in an uh, NHL scoring. And, and they've been one of the, uh, the real pleasant surprises early on. So, so we'll talk. What did I say on Friday? Keep an eye on the New Jersey devils. Yeah, yeah, you did. So we will, we'll see. Um, uh, but it'll be interesting, you know, a GM who comes in and, and sometimes when the, when the bar is set low, Frank, it's so much easier to, to overachieve right now. Maybe their internal bar was set higher than it was uh, externally. And I understand that, but so far so good for the, uh, the New Jersey devils. I know people who are huge fans of, of shot volume are loving how the devils are playing so far. And, you know, yes, yes, per brat, like that's the one with Tom, you know, you, you, we could ask him, Hey, would you like a do-over? Would you, would you have preferred a multi-year deal? Because the way Brat's scoring, man, that's going to be a massive raise for him this season. Yeah. And part of it is just with the devil's start has been getting goaltending, right? Like you, you don't need a, to light the world on fire if you're Vitek Vanacek, you, you don't need a 920. You just need basically league average. And that yeah. team would be so much better last year if they got even league average goaltending. Yeah. So we'll get into that. The, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, interesting week. They come out West and they just get shellacked. Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Seattle uh, of all teams. And they come home kind of licking their wounds early in the season, man. It's, it's been a real roller coaster for some teams like a week ago. Pittsburgh and St. St. Louis started three and oh, they're now yeah. three and four. Uh, it's a whole group of teams. Yeah. It's interesting how quickly it kind of can change and, and it illustrates, I think just the uncertainty of early season hockey, especially Frank with, with fewer teams, even playing, you know, close to their NHL lineup in preseason games. Right. Like you, you had guys yeah, two, three preseason games for lots of veterans. And, and, and maybe that has nothing to do with it. Maybe it's just hard to play sound hockey early in the year. But uh, there's been some real peaks and valleys for a variety of different teams so far this year. 
Yeah. And I think in some ways, like you look at some of these teams and and what they're experiencing, like, you know, I think there's been a big focus on Chris Letang, for instance, in Pittsburgh and, and some of the turnovers um, that he had, um, you know, you, you think of St. Louis and, you know, there was a lot of focus on, on early of like, Hey, what happened to Ryan O'Reilly and his point production? Like there's lots of question marks. I think as you go through this in terms of, um, you know, how some of these starts have gone. And Hey, well, speaking of starts, I don't know if there's anybody in the league who is off to a better start when you consider their situation than David Pasternak, who is a pending UFA. He has 17 points in the first uh, nine games. The Boston Bruins are a league best eight and one. And you know what? Like, everybody looked and said, okay, here's Goudreau's contract. And, you know, here's the other ones. Where's Pasternak come in? Well, if Pasternak who's been, who's been the four and that, the difference between Pasternak and Huberdo and Goudreau, Frank is he scores way more goals and goals are still more valuable than, than points because you're doing it your own. And Pasternak had the fourth most goals in the NHL over the last five years behind McDavid and dry and Matthews. I, he might be pushing for 11 million if he wants it. Uh, it, it feels like with each passing week, it's getting more expensive for Boston. And I wonder if there's any sort of thought in the back of Pasternak's mind. I know everything has been cordial to this point, but the longer this goes on, like what else do I need to show you? Right? Like at what point does he say, you know what? I'm like, I've, I've taken the risk myself. Like I'll, I'll just test free agency. If you don't want to pay me. Oof. And not only that, but I think he'd have to look at the rest of this team and say, well, what happens with the next seven or eight years of this team after Patrice Bergeron is gone and after um, it will create but also Brad Marchand's 34. Like how long is he going to play? He's got obviously a few years left, but like, is he playing all seven or eight years of your contract? Yeah. Well, Hey, Johnny Gaudreau just left Frank. It's not now a different situation. Maybe he hadn't, uh, you know, he had good success in Calgary, not necessarily the same as Boston, but eh. I don't have any indication that that's the case, by the way, just yeah. before anyone tries to radio me and, and, and tweet this, this clip out there, I have no indication that that is even in the works. And by all accounts with Pasternak and the Bruins, the conversations have been really cordial and, and ongoing and near daily contact. It's not like they broke off talks or anything, but if I, if I'm sitting there and I'm the player at a certain point, I'd be saying to myself, well, what else is out there? Well, it's always valid to, you know, to, to think about it, right? Like Steven Stamkos went right down to the wire uh, a few years ago. It's not, it, it's not under, you don't have to sign, you know, in November of your final year or anything. Sure. It's, it's easier for some, but you know, some players can handle it, Frank. And so, like some players I've talked to, they don't like, um, not having a contract before their final year. They just felt it weighed on them. And so every person is going to be different. Pasternak is showing it doesn't bother him whatsoever, at least to start the season. And, you know, the longer it goes, maybe he's like, well, hey, let's ride this bad boy out and see where we go. I, I just mentioned Ryan O'Reilly and the fact that he has one point in seven games. Um, I have no idea if that's weighing on him or not, but it was one of my question marks heading into the year is how do players process it? Not everyone goes out like Johnny Gaudreau and absolutely hammers their contract year. No, some guys are underwhelming and look, O'Reilly's had some good games. Think back to the game in Edmonton when he shut down the Oilers and was a big part of it. And he's not always about point production, but I I mean, I, I have to wonder. Oh, I, I think it's, you get some true serum from players, certain guys, it does weigh, especially if you don't get off to a good, I think if you don't get off to a good start, Frank, any year as a veteran, it weighs on you, but then you throw in, this as a contract year. Yeah. You, you can start overthinking it. No question about it. So um, that's definitely a, an interesting storyline to follow. Let's bring in uh Ty Uremchuk on a, on a Halloween Monday. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, and I'm locked and loaded for a new edition of, well, it's going to be a Halloween edition of Fill in the Blank, delivered by our friends at DoorDash, 25% off and no delivery fees with the promo code GAMEDAY25. So shout out to our friends at DoorDash. 
it's going to be a trick or treat instead of buy or sell. I'm going to give you something that's happened so far this year. You let me know if you think it's a treat and it's going to keep rolling or if it's an absolute Halloween trick. So let's start with this. The Jets are tied for first in the division. Their early season success. Is it a trick or a treat, Frank? I think it's a treat. I said before the season, Winnipeg Jets will make the playoffs. And you look at part of their season to this point, I think the results have been pretty good um, in the sense that their process has been good. Um, Connor Hellebuck, like he's a legit Vezina candidate year in and year out, 931 save percentage. Probably not going to be quite that high, but he's one goalie in this league that's really capable of doing that consistently. And I don't know. I, they need more scoring. There's no doubt about that. Like Josh Morrissey is leading that team in points, which is a little bit shocking, but they've also done this to this point without their head coach in Rick bonus, who remains out. Uh, Frank, maybe you were just a year early in your prediction, but uh, I, I'm going to say uh, it's a treat. If you mean it's, it's going to be the playoffs. Cause I thought they were there. There's other teams in their division that are struggling that, that is helping them. But I don't know if you, I watched that Vegas game yesterday and they got a point solely because of Hellebuck. Like that was an absolute slaughter by Vegas. They were all over them. Hellebuck. That's the best. And I haven't watched every game. That's the best single game goalie performance I've seen this year. He was unreal yesterday like unreal so i uh i will say it's a it's a treat because of hellebuck but also um you know in that division i think they can easily finish top four you mentioned the vegas golden knights that is a nice uh follow-up to number two the vegas golden knights being first in the pacific division are they legitimate contenders to win this division golden knights as division champs trick or treat jason Hmm. it's a tight division um I still think it's Edmonton's division to lose because Connor McDavid's on another, he's just on another level right now. And uh, Edmonton for the first time ever uh, in his era has, has way more scoring depth. So um, they're a threat, but they're not the favorite still in my eyes. Well, the question was, are they a contender to win the division? And I think the answer is yes. So true. Well, I'm going to, I'll say, are they, they're not, you don't think they're in the running to win the division? Um, I still not 10 games. I'm still not sold on their goaltending. Okay. I, I mean, I think their the rest of their game has been way better than I would have thought. I'll say that. So I will say, I will say treat. Yeah. The thing that like, I, I see both sides of it where I'm with you, Frank, they're the team. I was probably the most wrong about heading into this year, but also the thing with goaltending is it needs to hold up for 82 games. Right. I think with Logan Thompson, everyone kind of knew he, he can handle it for stretches, but can he be the guy for, you know, 50 games in the season, which they might need him to do this year. Um, this one was accidental. Now, now just, just a sec though. W- were you more wrong on the cat eating Boston Bruins or oh. Vegas? Oh God. I, I had a good week. He didn't say I, eat cat. He said eat cat food. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, and eat like <laughs> Big a difference. Cat. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you're not gonna have sautéed feline. Yeah. Should uh, oh. Yeah, I was probably I was probably more wrong about them, but I had neither of those teams in the playoffs in my predictions this year on daily faceoff, and now it looks like they're both well locks to be in there. Um, this third one, staying in the Pacific Division, Gabe Velarde as a point per game player. Is this a legitimate breakout or just beginning of the season heater trick or treat, Frank? Not a point per game player, but I think that he's going to have a breakout season. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the 60 point range. So a treat and it's all said and done. Yeah, I would say it's a treat to a start. Uh, he's actually, I think he's got 11 points, like seven goals. It's, it's being made now. Gabe Velarde was a highly touted, you know, draft pick, right? Like this guy could yep. score in junior, but scoring in junior and scoring at the NHL and, and being a point a game player all season is very difficult. So uh, I could actually, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he pushes 70 points, I don't think he'll get to a point a game. And, and that's, that doesn't mean he's not a really good player. Cause there's very few legit point per game players over the course of a full season. Fourth one I got for you, similar question, but it's for Rasmus Dahlin. Is this the beginning of Dahlin being one of the premier offensive defensemen in the NHL, or is this just a real hot start to the season? Trick or treat on Rasmus Dahlin's breakout, Jason? Oof, that's a really good question. Like, obviously, you know, it's an NHL record, five goal, five games to start the season, a goal in each one. Like, that's never happened before. So, 
Um, to be an elite offensive D-man, like he's he's had double digits and goals once in his career. I'm going to say treat. A little too early yet for me to, to say it, especially because you have one of the premier elite offensive defensemen suddenly back as an elite offensive defenseman in uh, Mr. Carlson in San Jose. And I know at 11 million price tag, it's hard to move him fully, but I'm telling you, Eric Carlson start guys uh, as a, as a defenseman in a league where there's not a lot of guys like him. If he stays healthy, I could see San Jose getting suddenly way more interest in him. Obviously they'd have to retain some salary, but uh, I don't put Rasmus Dahlin there yet. I do. Um, I mean, look at the season that he busted out of the gate with 44 points in 82 games as an 18 year old. I think he can, he can be at that level North of that in the 60 point range without question. Um, think about his career arc too. Like 2019, 20 and 2021 were both shortened due to the pandemic. So his numbers aren't necessarily quite what they appear. He had a 40 point in 59 game season uh, and in his second year and hit 53 last year. So uh, I will, I think that is a treat, not a trick. Actually, you know what? I just looked. Rossman Stalin, since he's entered the NHL actually has the 12th most points amongst defensemen. So I'm changing my answer. Yeah, he's already there pretty much. So to go from yeah. 12 yes. to 10, it's wild that hard. we yeah. just, no one really I think it's entirely about. sustainable. I don't think he's going to be north of a point per game, but I think being in that range is entirely oh. sustainable. Hey, Yossi, uh, Yossi and Makar last year, uh, D-men being point per game guys. It's becoming, uh, you know, two guys did, and Riosi did it by a, a lot or margin. It, you wonder, hey, Darlene, if you have better offensive players, for a defenseman, obviously that's going to help you. And Buffalo's, you know, Buffalo's got some guys, right? Like Tage Thompson got a pair of goals the other day. The guy was, he, he couldn't, he couldn't just couldn't finish. He'd been getting great chances. Yeah. I like Buffalo's long-term upside offensively. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. This one is just, it just came to me because you brought him up and that's Eric Carlson. Jay uh, had this big debate at the office the other day with a few of the guys. Would the, would the Sharks have an easy time moving him if they kept half his salary right now? Like, would a contender be given oh. up a second rounder or maybe even more for Carlson at 50% retained? Or is that still, with all the years left, too much of a risk? Well, 50% is basically, what, five and a half mil? It'd be 5.75, yeah. Yeah, like if you look at a lot of the five and a half million dollar defensemen in today's game, the, 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 the risk with Carlson is does he get injured again? Yeah. It's not can he play. It's can he stay healthy? Because you, we see now when Carlson gets back to being healthy, he's such an electric player. He's never going to be the same. He hasn't been the same, unfortunately, because of the Achilles. But yeah, I think there's there's teams that would definitely do it. Plus, there's just not enough right shot defensemen in the NHL. Every GM will tell you they're searching for right shot D-men. And so I think somebody would, would, would take a chance. Now, San Jose, you trade Eric Carlson for 50%. Yeah, that frees up cap space. But you also, you know, you have dead cap space. Yeah. So I, it, it it will show me if they trade Eric Carlson to retain a significant amount of money. I think that's the first sign that the Sharks believe they have to go into retool because we haven't heard that yet, Frank. They a lot of their moves, how they're coaching their team, right? Everything seems to be pointed that we think we can still be competitive, right? And that would be the one where they say, okay. We're going to now have to look for a retool in here. Yeah, I think reality is setting in. Yes, I would I think agree. it has to at some point. Um, I would say in an odd way, the injury is probably actually helpful for given the term, the injury history in that, like, let's say that happens. Like you have ample evidence to point to and say, this guy can go on LTIR. Fair enough. Yeah. That, that kind of gives teams some cover here to say, if we try this and it doesn't work out, well, then there's really not a lot of risk to us. Because yeah. he's got I don't know. four years after this. He's got four, yeah, four years. So with this season, almost five full seasons. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. And, and a lot, like well, the signing bonus, a lot of it's been paid to this point. So yes. that's a big part too. Mm. Yeah. The, the actual cash value of the deal goes way down. Yeah. He's got... Well, the, the, he's still the next two years, Frank, he's got a pretty big base yeah. salary, but then after that, it jumps down. But yeah, overall, like uh, this year was the one year where, yeah, the huge signing bonus, which teams don't like, like you look at him, he had 40 million in signing bonuses in the first four years. 
Yeah. And then his last two years of his deal was basically buyout proof because the last two years of the deal, even though the, the cap hits down to seven and a half, um, the bonus is six mil and five mil. It's basically all bonuses the last two years of the deal. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Really interesting idea. I wonder, I just wondered if a contender was sitting there being like, ah, we need a puck moving D man. Like, the way he's playing has been unreal. Uh, let's wrap this up with our points bet Canada bonus question of the week. Usually I'm hitting you guys with something about odds, but since it's Halloween, I just want to know flat out, what is the best Halloween costume you've ever pulled off? Well, it's never going to be as good as yes, to pull your RVs. I'll tell you that much. That was unreal. That was pretty funny, actually. His 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 like goofy smile is actually what makes it so amazing. He plays oh, he's the, got the brace well. face. Well, no, I think what makes it amazing is I, I, I'm assuming that's his. He girlfriend. put his girlfriend in a plastic bag. Yeah, and the fish. <laughs> she's like the fish in the bag, man. Like she's a good sport. Good for her. Um, Jesus. The best a lot of ways you could go with that. Yeah, the best costume I ever wore was one that. Well, my my mother in law made me a king costume. Like it's unreal. Like it's got like everything like she hand sewed it. It's amazing, but it's so heavy. Like I can wear it outside in minus 20 and I'm like super warm, but probably the favorite costume was one. Um, my birthday's right around Halloween and there was a big hall party in my junior hockey team. When I showed up, I was supposed to be, a, I went there as a blues brother with one of my teammates. But when I got there, they had a costume picked out for me because it was close to my birthday. And I had to go as Daisy duck. And it was, like we had to walk to the hall party and it was minus 20 out. And I was like, I don't know how girls do this. Like I was frozen just wearing those little leotards and stuff. But at the party gents, it was easily the most um, female interaction in one night I've ever had. And it was clearly due to the costume. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say I've never really had good Halloween costumes. The imagination has been lacking, but in college I did go with a couple of my buddies as the Hanson brothers one year. And that was fun. We had like the mullet wigs and everything and the Charlestown chiefs jerseys. Like it was, Take it was pretty good, but that's, uh, it's about as good as it gets for me. Ty. Uh, honestly, I'm not a big Halloween guy, as lame as that is. I've just never really been one who who really goes hardcore into dressing up and stuff. Like my girlfriend and I usually like night before are like, all right, what do we have around the house that we can throw together? So like last year we were I was a lumberjack and she was a tree. Like we just taped plastic leaves to her shirt. So I'm lame. I'm the worst person to to ask this kind of question. <laughs> The best well, costume I ever saw, guys, was at, at 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 a Halloween party, and a guy went as the headless horseman, and he had made the horse body out of paper mache, the whole thing around him, and then it had like a little green light that would light up in between the eyes, like you know one of those things that you'd crack, and then it lights up. Yeah, yeah. It was like the the horse's hooves as it was running, it like the front ones because his back legs, his legs were like the back legs. It was unreal. That was the greatest costume I've ever. I just remember, like, how did you make that? A guy spent like hours making it out of paper mache. It was sick. So some people are very creative and can do it, but that's the greatest one I've ever seen live. Fair enough. All right, there you go. That is going to be a wrap on this week's edition of Well, not fill in the blank, not buy or sell, but trick or treat, courtesy of our friends at DoorDash. There you go. Well, uh, we will get to uh, Tom Fitzgerald, the uh, GM of the New Jersey Devils. Frank, um, you'll be doing that interview on your own because we're doing it here in a little bit. And I, uh, this is a sad Halloween for us. Uh, after, uh, well, basically my whole life, we've always had cows at our farm. We are, uh, my mom's 77. We're kind of retiring. Um, I've been the helping hand at the farm to run the cows the last many years. And uh, we're getting rid of all of our cows. The trucker was being pre-planned to come in today. So it'll be, it'll be a bittersweet Halloween for me, man. That's like my whole life. I always remember with cows, lots of great memories of my late father and me uh, doing lots of different things, uh, working around with the cows and uh, most of them were pretty much homegrown. I think there's only been four cows that we purchased that uh, weren't born in our place. So um, will be a little bit of an emotional day, Frank. So have a good yeah, interview with uh, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, that's tough. Uh, hang in there and well, hopefully you find a little joy in the process as well. Oh yeah. No, I, I told my mom, just give me a year notice when I know for sure it's coming. And then I was able to kind of wrap my head around it and uh, enjoy game three tonight. Are you kidding me? That place yes. is going to be absolute bedlam tonight in Philadelphia. I am jealous. Like I love, I love playoffs and I don't care what sport it is. You get into a playoff game. Now it's a world series game. Like just the, the energy and emotion in that stadium tonight is going to be off the charts. Can't wait. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Our next guest skated in almost 1,100 games in the NHL. He captured a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2009 as the director of player development. He was the first ever captain of the Nashville Predators, an original Florida Panther, and he's in his fourth season now as general manager of the New Jersey Devils. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome to the podcast Tom Fitzgerald. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Frank. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, joining us here. And your team, uh, maybe, I guess, a couple rocky games to start. And then since then, you guys have been uh, looking really good. What do you like about the start for your team this season? Well, I actually thought we had a really good training camp. I thought, uh, I, I sensed and was told like the vibe in the locker room with the new additions that we made and the, and the maturity of our younger players, uh, uh, just taking that next step maturity wise. It just was a no nonsense type of training camp. I thought, uh, I thought every, every part of our game, uh, was worked on daily. Um, it showed in the exhibition games, whether it was a young, younger team or an older team. Uh, felt like going into the, the start of the season, uh, everybody really felt felt good about where we're at. And, you know, um, we can break down the Flyer game, the Detroit game anyway. Uh, at the end of the day, we didn't get the two points, but didn't feel that bad about our game um, and just stayed with it. And you can see right now it's, it's the belief in the room and belief in the system and the belief in each other. And they're, they're really there's really a connection. Um, between all the players and the coaching staff, and which is which is good to see. Is that different the connection you think between maybe some years past with your group? I think so. Um, again, I think that's the, the the new blood that you brought in. You know, some old blood out, um, and then the maturity of these young pillars that we have. You know, Jack and Nico and, and Jesper Bratt um, to really understand. Like, okay, it's time to take the next step. Why not now? For, for them because uh, we we've added some help uh, I think I think you know from our goaltending out like I said goaltending was was very good in training camp um, so we felt good going into it but, but really felt the strength was our, our decor um, you know when you can add a John Marino and a Brendan Smith and you have young players like uh, Kevin Ball jumping up and making our team you know you've got the depth Dougie's settled in um, as, as one of our core guys back there and uh, Graves and Siegenthal just round out what we what we needed. You know, more defensive stalwarts, but we're bigger, we're more mobile, and we we close on teams quicker. Um, and that was emphasized. Uh, when I talk about connected, I it's really connected on the ice. You know, where I D want to stand up and hold lines, but we need the back pressure from our forwards that uh, uh, really done a good job, and that that there you know eliminates high danger scoring chances. So. We've been very consistent there, and, and I think we moved the puck well. We're, we are a fast team with our legs, but I also think we move pucks fast. I think we think fast, we move pucks fast, and we, we just turn things around and attack uh, on the offense. You mentioned the idea of sticking with it, even though the first two games maybe weren't necessarily scoreboard-wise what you wanted. Um, 
just we were seeing lots of different reactions in lots of different markets to start the year. And to me, it speaks to the pressure that every team faces to get off to a good start. When you have someone like Miles Wood, who's been there for a while, comes out and says what he says, what's your reaction as a manager? Oh, I, I was I was real good with that. I was fine with it. I love the fact that he spoke from his heart. Um, it was it was generic. I mean, it wasn't generic. It was it really was authentic. And, you know, I had zero problems with it. Um, thing, those are things that I think, you know, as professional athletes and teammates, you got to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself the same question. Are, are, are we are we doing the right things? Are we committed to one another? Are we committed to a system? Are we committed to having each other's back? Um, because that does really help uh, pave a way to to winning hockey games. And I think it may have opened some guys' eyes, um, which again, I, 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 I encourage it. <laughs> um, I applaud it uh, because we're seeing results from maybe that one comment. Well, and I mean, it probably goes a long way in, in that it helps set the tone for the season too, right? I, you know, I'm sick of losing. I want to be on a team that's successful. It kind of, you know, everyone sort of falls in line after hearing something like that, no? Absolutely. And I, I think what it also tells you is individuals turn themselves over to the team, meaning this is my role. I'm going to do it the best of my ability. This is my part in helping this team work. And not everybody has the same equal part, but your part is no less uh, important than the bigger parts on the team. And, and that's where we're seeing everybody. We're a four-line team. We, we roll our four lines. Ice time will vary ship to ship. I think you're seeing three sets of uh, going over the boards consistently. Um, we really pride ourselves on the depth and that we are going to be a four-line team. And we can play a Mike McLeod and Nate Bastion and Miles Wood against other teams' top lines to offset Nico or, or even Jack's line. Um, so we really do pride ourselves on that. And I think, again, it's, it's individuals turning themselves over to the team and what's best for the team. Everyone in this business manages differently. Um, everyone has different sort of career paths, resumes, experiences. Being a former captain in this league, does that help you maybe in terms of getting a sense of feel for things as the season goes along? Well, I think really from the get-go, I, I think we needed to maybe shift our mindset as a, as a locker room and what that culture is going to be like. Where's the accountability? Who's going to drive it? What the practices look like? I talked about commitment, and you could define that in many different ways. But having that no-nonsense culture and the standards are, are, are a lot higher now. Um, expectations are higher now. Um, we put that on ourselves internally. And I think what we're seeing, I, you know, there's a reason why I named Miko captain at an early age, because of the experiences that I went through as a captain. And they were hard, you know, that first year. We had a short runway, that, that shortened season. I felt, you know what, let him understand what being a captain is here. So the following season, which was last year and he was injured, um, he'd become a better captain and understand it. He's a, he, he really is growing into that leadership role. He's got some help around him when you, when you can surround yourself or surround our young players with players like Dougie Hamilton and Palat, uh, John Marino, uh, Brendan Smith, uh, Eric Halla, guys like that to come in and help. Um, you're seeing Nico really take that major step in leadership and it's showing in his game as well. Is there anything you can point to with Nico that might highlight something like that? Like what, how do you know that that process is coming along? Well, I, I think creating those standards, uh, those high standards that you expect out of yourself, then you should be able to expect out of the guy across the room from you or next to you or diagonal from you and, and, and really pushing one another and, and not being afraid to say the truth like Miles Wood did um, to, to really get the most out of all our players and understand that it's not okay to just be, you know, okay with being average um, or in our case in the past couple of years, below average and, and not very good. It's not, it's, it's, it's not what we want to be. Um, and I think Nico has really grown to understand it. And, and the respect that he, he gets from his peer groups is incredible. Uh, I think that's a big part of it, too. And confidence. You know, he's, he's, he's more confident in his own game. He's healthy, knock on wood. Um, and that can that parlays into being, you know, the, the type of captain that he's going to be and is. You mentioned your young core. And, yes, they do have some of the support pieces now to help uh, take that next step. But 
when you see Jack Hughes on the ice and what he's accomplished for your team, just going back the last couple of years now, it's so weird with all mm-hmm. these shortened seasons. His last 82 games, 79 points he's put up. What kind of strides have you seen in his game? Obviously, he did it last year, but to continue on and continue to want more this year. Like all players, you know, they they mature not only emotionally, but they mature physically. They understand the league better, understand what they can get away with and what they can't. Um, I think with Jack, he's, he's just, you know, he's an uber talented player, but he's uber competitive. He's so competitive. It's incredible. Uh, and he, he just pushes himself and, and he, he really is a driver out there. Um, so we, you knew what you saw in the shortened season a couple of years ago was going to be something of, okay, there it is. We saw, we saw snapshots of it. And then last year, you know, being over a point in game, um, you talked about his last 82 games and where he's at statistically. Um, you, you knew it was coming. Um, I think right now he is, he's really rounding out his game, whether it's Lindy help using him in some defensive zone, sit starts. Uh, last night he was on the penalty kill for maybe the last 20 seconds, but you know what? He's getting that, those responsibilities um, and understanding clock management when you can actually, you know, make plays through the neutral zone when we're up uh, by a goal or two or the scores, even like the Colorado game. I just thought he played extremely well or blocking shots, small things like that. When you can, you know, the, the things that we talk about are, you know, what do we celebrate um, you know, and how do we do that? What, what do we want to tolerate versus, you know, uh, uh, accept where, you know, we don't want to accept baseball caps and at, at dinner time or, uh, but really it's all about where the culture is going. Jack's been a huge part of that. His play in itself is it continues to grow. So a lot of people around the league noticed Jesper Bratt last season with the year that he had, but this year, He's really catching some other people that may have been some casual observers. When you look at the start that he's had, what makes him special and how big of a part of your team is he moving forward in terms of that sort of young core nucleus that you've put together here? Well, I've always said Jesper's was going to be part of this young core uh, moving forward. Uh, he's a big part of what we're trying to do, uh, a, a building block that we want to continue to build off and surround. Um, you know, what he's done thus far is, it's not surprising because he, he's very talented. He's very hungry. He's very competitive. He prides himself on the extra work that he puts in every single day, not just game days, um, in the weight room, after practice, last guy off, off the ice type of player. Um, he's just passionate about hockey, and he's passionate about to be, be the best player he can be. Um, so not a, not a surprise at all. We're, we're so happy that he's part of our group um, and want this kid to be part of our group long-term. So you've got a number of guys that are signed to long-term deals, including Jack. Um, you know, you go through the process with Jesper Bratt this summer. He ends up on a one-year deal, obviously off to the start that he has. Is that one of those situations where are you comfortable with this moving forward? Would you have liked to have had it done long-term? Um, how does that work? Well, we tried. You know, I, I know Jesper's you know, what he would, would have liked as well was a long term deal as as it was for us. Our ownership group was committed to that. You, Frank, you and I talked about this in the summer. Um, but f- finding you know common ground was something that we just couldn't find at the time. Arbitration is a, a tool for for the player to use. We still control the player um, for another year uh, after this year, so we, we understand what the next phase is. Um, but signing him long-term and being part of this core moving forward and uh, longer down the road is really our goal. And we'll, we'll start talking again, you know, uh, in January when we're allowed to talk and, and just see where things are at and um, go from there. You used an interesting phrase earlier when we first started talking about Dougie Hamilton and you said he's settling in. What, um, what'd you see last year and what differences do you see this year? Uh, well, Dougie's a committed person. Like he, he committed himself to New Jersey in the off season. Like he lived here. He, he was there for our marketing team that they needed him to, to make appearances, things like that. So he's, when I say settling in, he, he really enjoys living in New Jersey because he lives there year round. Um, and being part of the Devils. I think last year he got off to a fantastic start with us, got hurt. Um, and that just kind of really pulled him back a bit. Uh, until the end of the year and you know at that point we were where we were in the standings um 
he had a great camp. He is, he's a guy that we've made a commitment to that uh, we know what his upside is and we know the offense that he can bring. I think you've seen him play better defensively. You know, I, you see him holding lines better. He obviously can go back to pucks, retrieve and use his legs to skate out, but he's taking hits to make plays and we're not spending much time on our, our, our own end. Um, because of the way we play, Dougie's committed to that, and you could see him how, how settled. That's what I meant by being settled. Yeah, he just looks more comfortable, right? Like, and I guess part of yeah. that too is like you go through this process: new home, new faces, new team. Mm-hmm. You got an injury, you're out of the lineup for a bit. All those things kind of add up to maybe a season that, uh, not just for Dougie, but for your team as a whole, maybe didn't go the way everyone wanted. You're right, and you know, I I, I lived it uh, where you're. You're trying to impress everybody around you, not only your teammates or your coaches or your management or even the fans for that matter, but you're always, you're, you're trying to show them that this, this was the right decision. Um, and sometimes that you, you call it squeezing the stick, you know, sometimes less is more uh, until you really get settled in. And, and we'll probably, we could, we could name many players like that. You know, you come in on deadlines and it doesn't work out like you do, but you may have a guy who's got an extra year in his contract and, and you see him settle in come training camp. Um, so it is, it's, I, I think using the word, uh, the word settled is, 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 is probably appropriate. Um, Cause you see, and he's the games uh, at, at, a, at, a, at a really good level. Um, the team is winning and he's just going about his business day in, day out. So you said you're spending less time in your own end, being pretty efficient, getting the puck out through the first 10 games. How much has John Marino helped with that? Uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, he has helped uh, uh, a lot, you know, and not just John. You look at now the depth that we have in all three pairs. You know, we've got guys who can skate. We've got guys who can move pucks. We've got guys who can, you know, be heavy at the net front. Um, but understand they support one another. All, all our pairings, you know, with, with, with Dougie and Sieg's, uh, with Johnny and, and Ryan Graves, uh, Sevy and, and, and Smith. Uh, and or baller goes in there they all seem to be on the same page and we're not we're not wasting much energy down there we're making our plays we're supporting and we're coming out quick and you got to give our forwards some credit as well because they're they're doing the jobs once the puck gets into their hands getting pucks out i've always been advocating that we should change the name of the sport from hockey to goalie because you can't win (laughs) if you don't have one um Mm -hmm. you know your goaltending obviously vanacek comes in um he's looked pretty good to start has he been what you thought he might be yeah he had a very good camp um you know i think the the troy game like our first game in, in florida i'm sorry in philadelphia like yeah i'm sure the goalies would have liked to have a couple of those goals back um but they absolutely are settling in their work at their, their work habits in practice are incredible um i think our, our goalie coach is doing a great job with both of these guys, you know, the problem we're having right now is, okay, when does one go in, when's the other go in? We don't want somebody sitting too long. And are we overthinking things? We just run a guy X amount of games. We just stick to a schedule. Those are things that we're, we're going through right now to, to really maximize our goaltenders. So what's the status of Andre Pilat at the moment? Andre's being evaluated as we speak right now. Um, for a low body injury and we are supposed to hear at some point today uh if not in the morning what what the next steps are for him um and go from there uh you you can't replace a guy like that i mean we, we brought him in for a reason we wanted we wanted a championship mindset with our players you know so bring somebody in with that uh <laughs> experience of winning championships uh and losing championships uh, was important, he, and I can't even, I can't stress enough the impact he's made uh, on his new teammates um, on how to conduct yourself game in game out. He's a guy we're not going to be able to replace, but we do feel good about where our depth's at. Um, and when he's ready to get back in our lineup, uh, when he's healthy enough, <laughs> we'll welcome him back with open arms. No doubt, it's been interesting to get a look into the mindset of the New Jersey Devils to start. My last question for you, Tom. How much hockey do you watch? Like you, you've got three boys, not just, you know, your your job as GM of the Devils, but how do you keep track of your boys as they're all over the place? Uh, yeah. One in the NHL, one in the AHL, and one in the USHL. Yeah, it's good. And my son, Jack. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Who uh, he stopped playing? He's living at home and he's taking care of my 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 dog when my wife comes and visits me. So that's well grateful for that. But it, it is hard, you know what? Uh, modern day technology right now with all the the different uh, apps that there are uh, that are at your fingertips to watch. Um, that's all you can do. Like Casey, like oh, I'll go watch him play tonight. I don't even know who they're playing, but I'll I'll be able to watch him play. Ryan's not back playing yet with Lehigh because of his double hip surgery last year. Uh, he's he's on the the mend right now. Um, and Brendan, I'll I'll be able to watch um, the USHL app or the Flow app. Uh, my wife goes and visits. I feel bad for her. She's all, she's all over the map going to visit. Um, but you know what? I try to like I'll try to see Brendan here a couple times uh, this year before he goes off to the University of New Hampshire next year and. Um, you know, Casey's doing his thing and just, you know, Ryan is like, I just want him to get healthy uh, first and foremost, but it's been fun. It's really, it, it is pretty cool when you can just, you know, flip on a game and watch your kids and, and actually really enjoy it um, and not critique it. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of my kids and I, I enjoy watching them play. But maybe not. So maybe a little more nerve wracking though, if, you know, Buffalo's playing not, New Jersey. No, not anymore. It, I, it was very nerve wracking, you know, prior to drafts. You know, I have two boys who were drafted, two boys who were evaluated by by my, the current clubs that I was with, Pittsburgh and, and here in New Jersey. And that's not the easiest thing in the world. And you want people who are evaluating your own children to make sure they're doing their jobs as well. Um, but that was nerve wracking. And then it's the, OK, now the draft and now the hard work starts. Are they putting enough effort into earning a contract? Then you earn a contract. And I, I would say the the easiest thing for me has been them being pro hockey players because they're either going to make it or they're not. And they're not going it, to, it's not going to be from a lack of effort. But uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. And I've been a lot calmer post uh, pro than pre post. So uh, you, you've lived it and Pretty you've pro. been in these players' shoes, but does it help you as a manager relating to the kids that you have in your locker room, knowing the kid mindset of your own children? Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I, I also go back to my playing days of, you know what? Pat in the back goes a long way. Hey, good game. Good job. That's how to work. That goes a long way. It did for me. Um, and then I think about those pats in the back and those words that could be used to my own boys. And think, geez, that would go a long way. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 very visible around my locker room. I'm there. Um, I wish I had an office in the locker room, but I don't. Um, but I really enjoy being around all our players. Um, I I think I'm someone they can come up and talk to. Uh, I can relate to them. I hope, and I think they know I can relate to them. I'm not only an ex-player that has lived in their skates, but I'm a dad too who understands what my own boys are going through. So um, I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy every single day. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate having you and you can tell uh, just that insight that you can get from the connections that you have on your team and the way this season's starting. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting that you got a front row seat to see it all come together. Uh, I appreciate it, Frank. Thanks a lot for for joining us on the DFO rundown, Tom. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. 
And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.